0: Hi, good morning and welcome everyone. This is Sustainable Short Takes and Updates, a sub-series of Seek Sustainable Japan. I am JJ Walsh here in Hiroshima, Japan.
1: Good morning, I'm Tova Kinoka and I'm in Yokohama.
0: And we have very exciting news today. Uh, we have confirmed both venues for Tokyo and Hiroshima for our May 14 event, Women to Inspire Sustainable Japan. So, very excited, Tobe!
1: Can't wait, can't wait.
0: Do you want to tell us a little bit about the venue for yeah. Tokyo?
1: Right, okay, so the Tokyo venue, we are really, really thrilled and happy to have um, LVMH, so Louis Vuitton Moe Hennessy Group, um, as our event partners for this. And so we will be at LVMH House in Hanzomon, central Tokyo. Um, it's a beautiful venue. It's a uh, you know, great, big, uh, spacious room. We've got a proper stage for the panel discussion. We've got networking area, breakout areas. Um, so that's going to be fantastic. We're really, really, very appreciative of LVMH for for hosting us for this. Oh,
0: and for, for Hiroshima, uh, we have a beautiful, re- renovated old Japanese house um, that we have use of called Mitarai Base. Now, this is a university professor. She is a researcher on ocean aerosols and climate change but she bought this beautiful old house right on the seafront and it has 10 rooms i believe wow and beautiful views uh let me show you the video and you can have an idea Mitadai is a very famous historical port town so part of the activities during the day, we're gonna uh, walk around this town, learn a bit about the history. But also, because she's renovating um, the house itself, it used to be a rice merchant's building. And so there's a lot of old like antiques which have the beautiful calligraphy of the, the rice merchant. Um, we've got great views from the upstairs, lots of space for workshops and uh, doing that walking tour as well. So we really couldn't ask for a better venue. It's absolutely beautiful.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. This is, uh, I think, you know, we've been working hard in the background to try and get this to, together. And I think um, both of these venues that we've got, they're very, very different, right? You've got the sort of ultra-modern um, the LVMH in Tokyo. And we've got this beautiful traditional um, venue in Mitarai. And I think both of those are going to add so much to the conversation, right? And really sort of create the kind of atmosphere that we, we're looking for here. So very excited
0: absolutely and tova's been working hard on the website which will be up uh sometime next week and we're going to start selling tickets as well next week now on the website uh it should have the speaker information the schedule information and links to buying your tickets online for the in-person in tokyo or for the in-person in Hiroshima. And in each of those links on Piatix, you can also choose an online only version and we will be donating the 2,000 yen from each online ticket directly to a sustainability-focused uh, organization in Japan. So really excited about it, Tova. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, it's wonderful to see it finally coming together, isn't it? It's been uh, a bit challenging to get it moving with the COVID situation. Um, but I think we've we've had a lot of support from um, the speakers and the the event partners that we're working with Um, and it's really coming together now. So uh, looking forward to actually getting in there and doing it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we have our next short takes and updates next Monday, the 25th, same time at 9 a.m. So at that time, we will be able to share the link Uh, for the website with the schedule and also the link for buying your tickets. So thank you, everybody, for your patience. We had a plan in the beginning of the year to do this in March, and uh, we just couldn't find a venue. So this is just amazing. We feel very blessed. Um, The gods are smiling on us that we have two fantastic venues in Hiroshima and Tokyo.
1: Yeah, No, that's wonderful.
0: Uh, now, to, Tova, did you want to talk a little bit about hmm, something? Is there <laughs> something on your schedule?
1: There was something on my schedule. So oh, yeah. I,
0: the Sustainability events. <clears throat> right. So
1: um, tomorrow, as I'm sure many people listening know, is Earth Day. Um, and so... Um, JJ and I think, of course, every day should be Earth Day, but uh, there's a special focus on it um, tomorrow, Friday the 22nd. And as you can see from the um, link that JJ is sharing here, we've got um, the Sustainable Fashion Week happening in Miyashita Park in Tokyo. And we're going to be looking at sustainable fashion, ethical beauty Healthcare, vegan, and alternative food, um, and uh, when you look into the details, it's it's really great. Sort of, there are lots of different things going on um, over the week, and particularly into the weekend and and or Friday into the weekend. Um, the things like SDGs, for, you know, a workshop for kids, getting them understanding and involved. There are going to be uh, sort of walkarounds as well. Um, and sort of really helping people understand that, you know, the the way we're living at the moment, the mass production, mass consumption, mass waste kind of um, environment that we're in. And uh, the, the fact that our population is twice as large as it was 50 years ago is really not a way that we can continue to live. So really introducing some. Uh, alternative ideas here. Um, So it should be very practical, lots of inspiration, and also looks really like good fun. So I would highly recommend that. If you're in the Tokyo area, do go and get involved.
0: Yeah, looks fantastic. And uh, in a similar vein, uh, there is a Shiosai uh, event happening in Mitadai, where we're going to have the women's event in May. And they have art uh, exhibitions, they have documentary films, and it looks really interesting. So really excited about going to that from the 29th um, to the end of Golden Week, the 5th. I can't really find the link for some reason right now, but I will share it sometime during this talk. Um, Another thing I'm doing today, which I'm really excited about, is going to Muji's flagship zero waste shop. Now, I introduced this before uh, when we first heard that it was coming. And now we've applied to go and visit in person to see uh, what they're doing. And I'm really excited to see how they're setting it up. Um, how they're training the staff, uh, how um, it's going to look. Is it going to be user-friendly in terms of um, the uninitiated for people who don't really have any idea what zero waste is? Um, So I'm going to take my own containers, even though I'm just previewing it, (laughs) and think about uh, what I could refill Mm. in the bulk bins, Um, how it would work if I had my own bags and my own containers, because that's basically the idea that anyone who shops here would want to do. So it's just, it's not the answer Mm. to all of our sustainability problems, of course, Um, but the fact that your shop can get things bulk- Mm. In one big package or one reusable bulk container, and then sell it to you, the customer, in your own packages, and you only pay for the product by weight. Yeah. It's ideal. It's perfect, right? Absolutely. You've used one of these zero waste shops. Um, today? Yes,
1: there've been a few sort of um, pop up ones in recent years. Uh, there was one a couple of years back just outside Yoyogi Park in Tokyo um, that I heard about through the um, Social Innovation Japan Network, and it was it was brilliant. It was just so nice to be able to go there and go right. Okay, I this is how much I want, and I don't need to choose this size or that size package. I go and, like you say, you pay for exactly the amount you want. There's no waste on that. And there's also um, a chain of uh, supermarkets. I think it's called Bio C'est Bon. Um, I'm probably pronouncing it really badly Um, in Tokyo that are doing they do a lot of uh, of sustainability focused products as well. Cleaning products and things like sponges made of vegetable fibers and stuff like that. But they also have a range of things like dried fruits and nuts that you can buy um, in your own container as well. By weight. So it, it's sort of starting to see it a bit around. What I'm really excited about with where you're going is the fact that this is a big, well-known household name brand in Japan, right? Muji doing this. And I think that's really important because the little pop-up shops, the um, you know the, the small supermarket, like I just mentioned, I mean, that's great, but there's a certain, t- you're sort of preaching to the converted almost in a way. It's, it's people who are already on that journey that would go and sort of seek out these places and use them somewhere like muji which is something that you know every person in japan knows probably most people in japan have bought something from muji and and you know it's really familiar to have them on board and promoting this that's a game changer because suddenly yeah, it's I accessible agree.
0: I agree, 100%. Um, Muji is known uh, around the world, not only in Japan, for their high-quality yeah. products and services. And I think equating sustainability with high-quality yes. products and services, that is the aim that we want to have, yeah. right? Yeah. A lot of people say, um, like the old, when Fair Trade first started coming out, and the image was, it was too expensive, but the quality was low, yeah. right? Yeah. So you would buy it because you're ethically driven, Mm. but then you would not appreciate it because it just wasn't good enough compared to standard, right? So you're
1: compromising, but but here you're not. Yeah, Mm.
0: I don't think we're going to compromise with Muji. I think we're going to get the high quality and the sustainability hand in hand and yeah so that's really exciting
1: yeah and another sort of argument you also hear a lot is that you know oh it's always more expensive if you choose these kind of products and, and and again i mean muji has this reputation for being high quality but also not stupidly priced right it's it's very accessible to the vast majority of people um in our certainly in our developed societies. so there's that as well. So it, it's quality. You've got the trust there. You've got the fact that you know it's not going to be crazy prices, um, and there it is. You can try it out. So I, I really love that fact, and. I'm, really hoping that they expand this i'd love to see more of it in their stores yeah
0: well if it's success in hiroshima i think they will yeah um and muji muji basically means no brand right that that's the name of the company Mm -hmm. um but they have had a very long success in japan and uh, i know people who are in london who love muji shop and, and muji stuff and muji food uh, Muji furniture, Muji clothes. Yeah, so they're really in a variety mm. of of segments of the um, kind of commercial zone, right?
1: Right, and therefore the the potential for impact is huge, right? It's not just looking at one aspect of life, like you say, they they cover many different areas, so uh, the potential there is considerable.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I would also like to mention uh, I'm going today driving to Kyoto uh, for the Minka Summit or the Minka Summit uh, this year. And although some of the evening programs like the dinners are now sold out, but there's so much happening um, on the first day when you go and you register, whether you go on the Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, you can sign up to go to some of these Minka tours. And you can Mm -hmm. see old houses um, that are for sale and not renovated yet. Uh, But you can go on these Minka tours with people who know a lot about remodeling and renovating old minka mm. so you can get their perspective about oh you can easily change that oh that's really valuable you know like having those kind of insiders go on these tours with mm. you that's going to be really fun um so i'm gonna i I'm hoping, and my husband is probably hoping that I'm not coming home having bought another house. <laughs> um, but, you know, there is that possibility there. Um, but you also get to go on tours of houses that have just been remodeled. Hmm. So then you get to see kind of the before and after right. like, what oh, wow, they did that. Oh, I might try that in my house too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, That should be really fun. And then, um, of course, they've got great talks and speakers, many of whom I've interviewed (laughs) in my series, which is so fun to see Alex Kerr there, Asby Brown there. And I will be doing a short uh, talk as well. I'm so honored to be asked. It'd be wonderful. Um, But they also have workshops. So uh, one of the women I interviewed uh, who runs a Zen retreat, Dorothy Takasu in Nagano. She's going to be there uh, teaching people how to make beautiful washi paper lamps. Oh, gorgeous. And um, there's other workshops like making your own chopsticks. Um, There's a minka mall where they're going to have uh, lots of companies there who are selling like a wood place, wood, wood burning fireplaces. If you live in the countryside, it's very useful to use the local wood to heat your house instead of kerosene mm. or oil or even electricity. Um, a lot of other companies there that support people who are buying old houses and renovating. So that would be really interesting mm. to see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's wonderful to see all these uh, different sort of pieces of the puzzle coming together. Right. So the Akiya providers, the organic farmers and the, the crafts people as well. So, so, so. Yeah.
0: And when I was, uh, when I had the second talk with Alex Kerr recently, and I said, oh, it's probably 90% old houses that are knocked down, 10% which mm-hmm. are kept. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, no, much worse than that. Mm-hmm. It's like 1% is kept. So the idea of anyone trying to retain mm-hmm. and preserve the history and heritage of old houses, that's major because no, hardly anyone is doing it. Right. Most These beautiful old homes are just being knocked down without a thought mm-hmm. for even using some of the beautiful wood or anything, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, connected to that as well, I had a discussion last week um, with a friend of mine who works for Intellex, which is a Japanese real estate um, development company. Um, so the company itself is about 25 years old, and they focus very much on renovation, not building new. And recently, well, a couple of years ago, they launched this um, Echo Cube concept, which is kind of a similar idea to the Passive House concept that comes out of Germany, where by making your your building incredibly efficient in terms of insulation and, and understanding airflow through the building, you really, really minimise the amount of energy you need to keep it warm or cool. And um, they've sort of taken that concept and put it into, um, sort of created these cubes, if you like. So a lot of Japanese apartments, for example, have like a a unit bathroom that sort of, when they're building the place, the bathroom comes as a cube basically, and it's plopped into the the building and it's already complete. So they've taken that concept and said, okay, well, with apartments, when you're renovating, If you sort of bring, make it into a completely um, sort of uh, efficiently um, insulated cube, and you change maybe internal walls and things so that the the airflow is moving through in a really effective way, then you should only need one air conditioner unit to. You know effectively heat or cool the entire building and so your energy consumption is going down by sort of 80 percent or something incredible um so it, it's a really brilliant concept and i would they're, they're sort of doing that with uh, a lot of sort of these older apartment buildings that would very often just be ripped down um like you say and just wasted all the all of that building material wasted they're saying well actually no we can make these places really beautiful and they do a really nice job so they look very stylish very elegant but also just incredibly efficient um which is you know something that w- definitely is needed a lot more here in japan the uh, the houses you know in the winter the second you turn the, the heating off then you know the heat's gone and you're cold again and the opposite in the summer so yeah so you can see their echo cube here i mean it's beautiful looking place um, and if you can really massively cut the costs of your energy as well so they've they've been doing a lot of b2b over the years working with the real estate developers to say look you can put this in um, to your developments that you're doing Um, but now they're also looking at at b2c models as well so people who want to um, renovate their own homes they're saying you can do it this way and that's actually going to be a lot better for you a lot better for the environment moving forward
0: it looks beautiful. It um, you when you were saying about reusing segments of a building, it reminded me of uh, there is a a very famous old retro concrete block building which is coming down right now in Tokyo. Yes, and there is there was something in the Japan Times article about being reused. Some of the cubes yeah. are being re. And reused in other parts of Japan as like a, a novelty, but keeping keeping the idea. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's really gorgeous. I know it's breaking apart and it's falling down, um, but it's such a shame that they couldn't at least retain the facade. Yeah, because there's so many interesting things about how that was designed. Why it was designed like that, yeah. um, apparently the philosophy of architecture is called metabolism, hmm. and it was connected to an uh, architect who designed Hiroshima's Peace Memorial Park, okay. uh, Kenzo Tange. He was part of that same group. Um, so it, it represents heritage and, and history in Japan, even though it's it's not like Japanese, mm. but it, it's very interesting. And so it is a shame to just see it come down. But the mm. fact that it's not being demolished, it's being dismantled. Mm. Kind of okay. gives you hope that maybe they'll reuse, right? Yeah, even as an art project in someone's garden or somewhere, mm. you know. <laughs> but
1: it's, it's it's a start of a mindset shift, isn't it? It's sort of rather than just sort of knocking this down and, and chucking it in the, you know, on the rubbish heap. This is like, well, okay, maybe it's not fit for purpose as it currently is, but could we be reusing that? Um, and there was an, I had an interesting conversation last Friday with somebody who works in um, offshore wind energy, and was talking about the, the blades from the, um, the the wind generators, and saying for them, um, you know, a lot of them, they have their lifespan, but then what do you do with them afterwards? They're these massive hunks of metal. So, and, and they weren't sort of able to, until recently, to be reused. So, what they're doing now in um, some of the Nordic countries is thinking from the beginning, designing these things so that they can be repurposed afterwards or that they can reclaim the metals. So rather than using composites, which can't be um, recycled, they're thinking, okay, well, what materials are we using so that we know that we can fully recycle those afterwards or what are sort of alternative uses? Um, there was one place where they'd use them for bike shelter roofs, but I suppose there's any um, certain number of bike shelters you need. <laughs> Even in the Netherlands, and the guy I was talking to was from the Netherlands, he said, yeah, we we cycle a lot, but (laughs) not that much. So really interesting to see the shift there. And everyone thinks, oh, wind energy, wonderful. Yes, great. But what do you do with all these great hunks of metal afterwards? They just go in landfill at the moment, which is not great. So thinking, you know, from the beginning about the design and then what is going to be their their sort of end of life or their, their new lease of life afterwards. Also needs to be part of that.
0: Definitely. I was showing um, pictures just now from Google Images of the Nakagin capsule tower. Japan Times did a great deep dive as well as um, talking about the news about the capsule tower come down and where it's being reused. Um, I believe they said Saitama as well as so we might see parts of parts of japan okay um yeah but interesting i i the thing that i felt a bit sad about is there's so few buildings in japan even in tokyo that you're like Oh wow, that's interesting, mm. right?
1: Yeah, there are a lot of big, yeah. big square boxes, so it's nice.
0: Yeah, design. like if you go to London or you mm. go to New York or you go to any major metropolis around the world, you can usually walk through the city center and be like, "Ooh, that's interesting. Oh, nice reflection of light there." Mm. You know, um, there's so few of that yeah. in in Japan, and uh, this one was so interesting. Um, in how it was so cubist and mm. like looking at a painting right so yeah. i'm just sad for losing that in mm. the landscape mm.
1: right? yeah and again it's related to that as well so last friday i was at the the launch event of something called sync synk which is sustainable yayesu nihombashi kyobashi which for anyone who knows tokyo is the kind of the 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 less big skyscrapery side of Tokyo Station. So you've got the Maranochi side, which is all the big sort of financial companies, massive, big uh, skyscrapers. Um, and then the other side, it's a much more smaller streets. And we were learning about the history of that from the, the company that's sort of launching this um, sustainability community and um it's called uh tokyo tatemono so they're the oldest real estate developer in japan and they were telling us about the history of the area and the fact that the Marunouchi side used to be all the um shogun's residences so they had very big plots of land and therefore since it's been redeveloped those big plots have become big skyscrapers but the other side of the station the um yaesu nihombashi kyobashi area was all the um the merchants that supplied the the samurai, the shoguns. And so they had um, sort of much smaller plots of land, much more variety of buildings, and a lot of those sort of smaller streets, you can feel that the atmosphere is very different that side of the station. And what they want to do is recreate the sense of community there, but with a focus on sustainability. So they want to make it kind of a hub for innovation, Um, but keeping the old character and traditions as well. So renovating buildings rather than building new and um, sort of attracting uh, sort of small hubs around the area for different um, sort of... Uh, focus areas, if you like, so that they want um, people to come together, say, around sort of artisan products or around energy or around um, education or whatever these sort of different themes are and have, OK, this building here, this space is going to be the area for Creatives and architects, and sort of trying to attract more people. They're both Japanese and global. They want it to be really sort of mixed in that sense. So, really excited to see how that develops. Um, and, like you said, just not not starting from scratch, but keeping the character, keeping the interest, and using you know, that to advantage as well.
0: I was showing pictures just there of of Tokyo Station, the beautiful yeah. old historical um, buildings that they've restored and to invest in restoring and retain that sense of history is it makes so much sense as a brand as well for your area right and this is an area in Hiroshima um, Mm -hmm. that is under consideration for being knocked down and these buildings in Deshio uh, are the biggest structures to have survived uh, atomic blast. Oh, wow. And they are 2.5 kilometers away from the epicenter. But there has been discussion over many years now about whether to pull them down. They were used in the wartime uh, to store military uniforms (laughs) and uh, as part of military operations. So in Hiroshima, that is a very difficult discussion, right? Mm -hmm. Talking about other people doing bad things or talking about Mm. uh, yourself and your country doing bad things is a very difficult discussion. And then if these buildings were to be reused, would people feel comfortable mm-hmm. going and using these if they were restaurants or bars? Of course, you want to have an area for education and for raising peace awareness, mm-hmm. just like Peace Park. But you still want to have it something that will bring in a wider net of people yeah. um, to the area. So there's a lot of great... Discussion happening right now, mm-hmm. um, but I think when you add wartime or dark past yeah. or Hiroshima peace issues, mm. it is more complicated. But it's not impossible yeah. uh, to make use of those. Right?
1: right? No, I think it's really important that we we think about the narrative of these places. Right? You're not just looking at it from a um, a process perspective of yes, it's a building. Here's the you know potential environmental impact or you know, how can it be used commercially, things like that. It's it's really like, what is the story here? Um, and it's got, yes, this, this dark past, this connection, but then that doesn't mean that we, we can't recreate that narrative moving forward to something more positive and build on that, learn from it, build on it and create a, a new narrative going forward that's much more positive. So it would be wonderful yeah. to see that happen. Like-
0: Black Tengu, great comment mm. from YouTube. Thanks, Black Tengu. Uh so sad to see Nakajin <laughs> dismantled. That is true. Um, but the red brick buildings in Hiroshima, I often as well as Black Tengu is doing now, connected to the preservation of the red brick buildings in Yokohama. Yes. And how that has been such a mm. success a story Yes. Right? Yeah,
1: very much so. I mean, it's an area I go to fairly regularly. It's nearby. Um, and it's nice. It's got atmosphere rather than just going to these big sort of anonymous malls or, or buildings. It's, you know, it has something there. It's a very different feeling.
0: Yeah, it's it's that tangible mm. uh, connection to history and culture, yeah. right? You can never recreate that experience um, by just showing a photograph Mm. or even showing videos of what it used to look like. Once you knock it down, you lose that that tangible connection. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Not to mention the environmental impact as well. I mean, obviously building from scratch versus (laughs) renovating very, very different carbon impact there. So uh, there's that too
0: absolutely well thank you so much Tova once again that is our 30 minutes Uh, thank you everybody for joining today we covered a variety of topics of course most important is that we have our event going forward uh, May 14th next month 9 to 5 we will be back uh, for another short takes next Monday 9am and have links for you for the event there so thanks everyone for joining have a great day
1: thank you speak to you next week I show my tears to you I'm stronger I drop the